Hello there, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast. We are your weekly look into the wide, wacky, wonderful world of mixed martial arts. My name is Robert Winfrey, and I am your host. Uh, I sound a little bit off. I'm still half fighting a cold. It's not been bad. It's just one of those, like, annoying, like, upper chest and throat things that lingers for a lot longer than it should, but... Uh, it should be about over it by now. Uh, it's just, again, it's kind of hanging around and hanging around and hanging around. So, hopefully pretty much on the mend. Uh, on the agenda, what do we got this week? Yesterday, UFC 281. Dang good card. A uh, lot of stuff to talk about as it relates to that card in particular. Uh, you know what? I don't know if that's the best card of the year. But that's certainly one of the best cards. You know, we talked about UFC 280 being really, really good on paper. And on paper, it was really, really good. And then practice, it really wasn't. This was really good on paper and really good in practice. So I'll be going over all the results from that. Uh, the UFC is keeping the old machinery ticking over. This coming Saturday is an event no one will care about. <laughs> but I will be covering... And hence, we will preview it here. UFC on ESPN Plus 73. And news of the week. There's... Hey, let me get the boilerplate out of the way before I talk about the thing I want to talk about first. Um, please interact with the product any way you can. Like, comment, subscribe. Star rating, written review. Any and all of that, if at all possible. Give us a share. Uh, if you've done any and all of that. So, letting other people know about the show. Point them in in our direction and let us see if we can win them over here on the podcast uh all right before i get into the reviews and whatnot some really sad breaking news just a few hours ago really so uh sad news here but former ufc fighter ufc title challenger actually he fought for the heavyweight or light heavyweight title he fought for he fought daniel cormier for I think it was, I'm going to say light heavyweight. Might have been heavyweight at that point, but I think it was light heavyweight. Because I believe Cormier's only heavyweight defense was against uh, Derek Lewis. Let me double check this, actually. I want to make sure I get this right. Uh, yeah, it was the light heavyweight title. Um, sorry. Anthony Johnson, uh, better known as Rumble, as his nickname, had earlier today news broke, passed away. Um, at the age of 38. That's just... That's just... Oh, man. That hurt. That's just too young. I mean, that's... It's very nearly my age. Uh, not exactly, but it's very close. Um, I, mean, I remember Johnson when he was fighting at welterweight, of all things, which is utterly insane to think about when you look at him later in his career, that that man ever made 170, but he did. Um, that was where a lot of his early career was spent, actually, was at welterweight. Um, he had some pretty big wins. You know, he knocked out... Uh, he had a 
you haven't seen his win over Little Nog, he brutalized him. Uh, he stopped Alexander Gustafson in the first round. He had two shots at the light heavyweight title. Yeah, I forgot that. Um, he hurt Daniel Cormier in uh, the first fight. He dropped him pretty bad. Knocked out Ryan Bader in the first round. He knocked out Glover Teixeira in just 13 seconds. And that was kind of sad. We all kind of... That was one of those times when you kind of thought maybe he was... Maybe, uh... Old Glover was on his way out. Most recently, he'd been in Bellator, and they were trying to get together a fight between him and Yoel Romero. Um, he'd been battling an illness, and I think we know what that is at this point. I wish to double-check this, because, again, it's one of the things I want to get right. Uh, this comes from Kevin Ioli. Uh, his bit of reporting. The cause of death was organ failure due to non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, so cancer. And, ooh, I'm going to butcher these names. I apologize. Uh, hemophagocytic lymphohistocytosis. I'm going to assume that's correct. Lymphohistiocytosis, excuse me, that's another. Uh, which is an immune system disorder, so complications due to cancer, basically. Um, yeah, that sucks. I don't have anything else. I, again, 38 is way too young for the vast majority of people. And the people that you wish died young, uh, they always seem to linger, don't they? Yeah, and I, I again, I'm a, I'm a little bit, you know, I don't quite know what to say here. Um, just a really uh, terrifying knockout artist, and by all accounts, a really good guy. Uh, he was scheduled to fight John Jones at one point. Like they, he and John kind of. Pulled a great prank on Dana White when they got into a fake shoving match at their like press conference stare down. This was not too long after the brawl between John Jones and Daniel Cormier that caused them so much bad publicity. Um, yeah, it's it sucks. Uh, to his friends and family, again for whatever my condolences are worth, we absolutely have them. Um, just genuinely terrible news. So. Apologies for starting us off on a bit of a downer note, but well, that's news that broke, and I felt compelled to share a little bit there. So, All right, let's move on to UFC 281. 15 fights. I really wish there hadn't been 15 fights. This was like a seven-hour broadcast from start to finish. Um... Yeah, just... Ugh. This event did tie the UFC record for most first-round finishes on a card with seven. Leave with seven. I'm going to double-check that. 90% sure. Yeah, seven. Almost, uh... Almost broke the record, but couldn't quite get there. Um, a lot of finishes, which... Certainly helped, as a general rule for getting through the card. Main event. 
This was a, this was a roller coaster in some respects, but Alex Pereira defeats Israel Adesanya via TKO, punches against the fence, uh, standing TKO. At 201 of the fifth round, a, a fight uh, Pereira was losing. He was down 3-1 officially on all of the judges' scorecards. Round one, pretty clearly for Adesanya. He was landing some good leg kicks, got his jab working, rocked Pereira pretty badly at the end of the first round, like right at the end of the first round, had him hurt. If there's 10 more seconds in that round, Izzy probably finishes him. Like, it was that close. Um, Pereira rebounds in the second, wins the second round, uh, gets his own jab kind of working, starts finding a bit more punches. He was able to corral Adesanya a little bit more against the fence. Um, third round, back to working for Adesanya. He, he is working the jab, gets a takedown, spends a lot of time on top. Some in the guard. Um, uh, when Pereira was trying to get up, that was uh, that was something. That was something, and I don't mean it in a good way. A better grappler than Adesanya would have uh, would have had Pereira's lunch there. But Pereira survives round four, kind of a weaker round. Um, again, officially it went to Adesanya, but Pereira has some good moments in it. Uh, a lot, a little bit more clinching this round. Pereira did a decent job of finding uh, knees in the clinch. His jabs working okay here. He just he does okay at the end of the fourth, but the first three minutes were pretty largely controlled by Adesanya. Fifth round, Pereira is uh, nosy, knows he's down, knows at a bare minimum he needs the round, and it turns out he needed a finish, but bare minimum, like best case scenario, it was 2-2. Two, two. Uh, he comes out, and he's able to kind of walk Adesanya to the fence and just... Finally lands the left hook flush. Uh, doesn't knock Adesanya out right away, but it hurts him pretty clearly. He follows up with an uppercut, another bit of a left hook, and Adesanya kind of bends over at the waist. You know, a little bit looks like maybe he's trying to roll, but he's also very hurt. The ref steps in. Um, I'm perfectly fine with the stoppage when you look at what was landing and kind of what Adesanya was doing and the way his body was moving. You know, he protested the stoppage, and not in a, he'd say not in a, um, he didn't throw a fit about it, but he let it be known, like, no, I, I would have been okay going out on my shield, but by the time they got to the, he showed up to the post-fight press conference, he was, after talking with his team, he was okay with it. I mean, he still, like, he joked, he said, you know, I, I, I would have been okay, I wasn't out, you know, they should have brought back Steve Mazzagotti to let me go, because I, I would have been okay. Which is a nice little joke. Um, uh, great story for Pereira. You know, he gets a decision in the first fight with Adesanya that he did not deserve. If you haven't seen that fight, um, I rewatched it not terribly long ago, and I, I don't know how Pereira won that first fight. Second fight, Adesanya is beating him. And then... Pereira lands the left hook and knocks him out. This fight, Adesanya hurts him in the first round, is winning. 
uh, again, officially is winning, and then Pernetta finds the magic at the end of the round, you know, kind of near the end of the round to get the stoppage, get the title. Uh, yeah, this was this wasn't a barn burner of a fight, but it was a it was very interesting. It was very uh, there was a lot of tension to this fight. They're probably gonna try and do an immediate rematch, and here's my big thing coming away from this fight. Uh, well, a couple of things. The biggest one is. Robert Whitaker should be pissed if they do an immediate rematch because Whitaker, I think, would. I think he'd handle Pereira. I mean, Pereira's dangerous. He's a big guy for the division. He's got power and he's a very technical kickboxer. But Whitaker handles distance very well, and his ability to mix things up would be a real problem. Pereira's first order takedown defense is not the worst. His ability to either kind of try for underhooks or to sprawl away, that's not bad. His problems really come when things get chained together and he is not good about getting up. Like, if he can't immediately post, like, from a knee instead of from his seat, like, he needs that limb under him already. He really struggles, and he really struggled here. His cardio is still a bit of an issue. You might... Considering what he did in the fifth round, you might think I'm crazy, but a couple of things about this. One, this fight was not contested at a terribly high pace. It wasn't boring, but this was, again, not a barn burner. A lot of it was in a wheelhouse where he was comfortable, and if you look at the immediate reaction to when he did have to grapple, that sapped his gas tank in a big way. So I, and then, I mean, he took the fourth round off, basically, to try and recover it uh, still after the grappling. So, I think that's still a that's still something that could be exploited, but he fought and get into the fifth and got the stoppage, so his power carries late, which is a big deal. But, yeah, I... Uh, look, you can accuse me of being a homer for old Bobby Knuckles all you like, and I'm not even necessarily going to deny it. But I think Whitaker would handle Pereira without... I can't say without difficulty, because Pereira's very good. But I would favor Whitaker pretty heavily. If they do an immediate rematch between Adesanya and Pereira, which, again, is probably what's going to happen. Probably. Uh, I don't know. I might have to favor Pereira at this point. I mean, the guy's 3-0 against Adesanya across two different sports. You know, here's the other thing about uh, Pereira that needs to be addressed. That guy is fairly obscenely accomplished when you pay attention to it. He's the first ever two-weight world champion in, in glory, kickboxing. He was, a, he was a dual champion there. Now he's won the UFC title. If we're following the same kind of logic that Henry Cejudo likes to apply, and Cejudo applying, I know Cejudo and logic are somewhat anathema to each other, but... He would be another triple C, right? Uh, another triple champion. Uh, that that's that's not an easy accomplishment. I mean, his kickboxing career is decorated for a reason. 
Uh, his MMA career might have been, you know, hot-shotted a little bit, and were, they, were conditions favorable for him given the narrative and given what Adesanya had done to the rest of the division? Yeah, sure. He still had to go out there and beat Israel Adesanya, which no one had done at middleweight in MMA. So, he's your new champion. Uh, again, immediate rematch seems likely. I mean, I, I don't think Whitaker's getting screwed necessarily. He's set to fight Paulo Costa. Um, assuming that Costa's not gone off the deep end completely, the deeper end, he's a little bit out there. Uh, so that's, you know, who knows exactly what's up with that. That's, we're not sure, but, uh, if Whitaker and Costa falls apart, Whitaker, Whitaker and Pereira, um, again, I favor Whitaker on that, and I don't have too many reservations about favoring him. Again, I wouldn't be, again, would I be surprised if Pereira won that? No, not at all. But I would favor Whitaker. Um, that was your main event. I don't have a ton to say about it beyond that. Again, it's a great story. Like, if you track the narrative here, it's really good. Uh, you know, Adesanya seems, you know, if you look at kind of how he's carried himself after the loss, it doesn't seem like there's a big change. So he's not, he's not really down in the dumps or mopey about it. Uh, I, so there's that. Uh, again. My hunch would be immediate rematch. That's the angle they're going to try and take. And, you know, Adesanya had... It, this was five title defenses. In fact, I believe if he had won here, wouldn't he have equaled Anderson Silva's middleweight title? Um, not Reign. But he might have equaled his middleweight winning streak. And in the UFC, and only the UFC, my dear. Because Anderson... So you can remember this. Um, Lieben, Franklin, Luter. Uh, what was that? Hang on, I'm going to double check that because there's something that's wonky about that now that I think about it. Hang on. Uh, I can't find the statistic on hand, but weird trend here recently. Um, you know, Kamar Usman was... You know, in the last round of a fight, he was winning on the scorecards and was about to break. What's he going to break? Because he had the longest win streak in UFC welterweight history. Is he really going to break GSP's title defenses? That or, that or tie. There was something there that he was going to do. And it fell apart at the last second. Uh, you know, Adesanya was... Adesanya might have been on track... Because how many fights did Osanya have before he was champion? Um, there, there was something that, you know, there was something about uh, one of Anderson Silva's accomplishments that Izzy was kind of closing in on and then falls apart in the last round. Uh, consistent performance in MMA is hard. Just really, really hard. So, uh, again, immediate rematch seems probable. Have to wait and see what actually comes out of it, but depending on the timing and who else is available, it's not the worst idea necessarily. Um, but 
Man, again, if I'm Robert Whitaker and there's any way I can get that fight with Pereira any way at all, I think you take it. Because I, I think that's a very winnable fight for him. There's something else that got brought up recently. Um, Pereira's wrestling is not good. Now, just hear me out for a second before you think I'm dumping on the guy. This is not just about him. But if you look at the current list of UFC champions, you know, you've got Yuri Prochka at 205, who's a very beatable fighter. And you might have to walk through all kinds of hell to do it because he's a wild man. But you can't look at the way he fights and whatnot and tell me that guy's that there's not stuff you can exploit in his game. Some very exploitable stuff. You've got Pereira now at middleweight with some very exploitable holes. I mean, if Adesanya is able to have this kind of grappling success against you, someone who really knows what they're doing down there is going to... You know, they'll take you to the woodshed. Leon Edwards, who... I'm not trying to dump on Leon Edwards here, okay? The man had one of the great, you know, kind of comeback moments of all time when he won that belt. He really did. But... Let's not pretend he wasn't behind massively in that fight. And that there aren't a couple of other welterweights. Like right now, I mean this, right now. Edwards against Colby Covington. Edwards against Shemaev. Edwards in a rematch with Usman. Who are you picking? I'm not saying you can't make a case for Leon in some of the, in those fights. I'm not even. I'm not even necessarily saying I'd be surprised if he were able to win any and or all of those. If he were able to win all of them, they get me in succession. It'd be very impressive. But do you favor him? I don't favor him in any of those. To be candid, again, he might win. He could. He could win any of them. He's very good. But I don't favor him. Uh. Lightweight, you know, Makashev's kind of an interesting one in this general discussion because his striking's not great, but the people who are good enough to punish him on the feet, he can out-wrestle. And if you can't wrestle with him, then his striking is just kind of a means to an end there. But he's been knocked out before... Granted, only once, and it is only career loss, so not exactly a repeatable pattern. He doesn't get hit very often. But if you can force uh, Makashev into prolonged striking exchanges, I think that would that's a path to attack him, visibly. And his style of wrestling, again, he's not a Khabib clone. Uh, which is not a knock on him. They're different fighters. They're cl he's clearly very, very good. Might be the best lightweight in the world. You could probably, I'd probably agree with you if you said he was. But, you know, Khabib was the best lightweight in the world. Maybe the best lightweight of all time. And part of what, part of the reason I don't think we talked about him the same way was the way in which he fought kind of negated some of the weaknesses of his style. That's not necessarily true of Makashev in the same way. Plus, he's not nearly the offensive force Khabib was. Um, which, again, is fine. He, he shouldn't try to fight like Khabib. He should try to fight like himself. It's clearly got him you know, to the very top. Uh, but Volkanovski is very well-rounded. Um, you got Figueredo on top at flyweight, and he's going to rematch Moreno. And, I mean, granted, I'm not complaining about that fight, 
but we've got kind of a cadre of champions right now across the board. Um, this is a little bit less true when we talk about the co-main event, but I'll get to that in a second. There's a, the cadre of champions across the board right now in MMA is... Uh, weak's the wrong word, because that implies way too much negatively about some about very, very good fighters. But you've got a lot of champions right now who definitely are vulnerable in ways that even the guys they took the belts from were not necessarily... Um, so, again, that's an interesting observation. Last thing on this fight, and this pertains to Adesanya. Uh, I talked a little bit when Mackenzie Dern had her fight most recently, so, you know, a few weeks back. If you're going to be a specialist, and Adesanya is a specialist, you need something else that kind of helps bring your game to life. Uh, Adesanya, if there's a big criticism, I think, to be levied at him, he doesn't have a plan B at the moment. And I think that that had started to kind of rear its head in people facing him. There was enough tape on the guy for people to figure out some of his offense and even some of his, you know, trap setting and his counter-striking. They were still struggling with him to find a lot of real meaningful offense against him, but he wasn't able to kind of you know, ice people the way that he did before. Now, I think part of the, a contributing factor to that is saying he does the same thing every time out is a gross exaggeration and a disservice to him. But I, I phrase it that way because it's going to convey the point that even, even in the broad realm of striking... Um, Adesanya, well, again, very, very sophisticated, very clever. Uh, you kind of got a feel for the weapons he used, and he could still use them very, very well. But there wasn't something to kind of help bring that to life once you got a defensive read on him. It was still hard to hit him, and it was still hard to, again, make a lot of headway. But... He didn't quite have, you know, a secondary area of attack. And that re- I think that really kind of came into play here. Because while his A game was still very good, again, he badly hurt Pereira at the end of the first. Had a lot of success with his jab. His leg kicks were working until he got one checked in the fifth. But if his, if his takedown game was better... Imagine Pereira as that fight wore on if he's having to be concerned about that in ways that he just wasn't practically. Again, as a matter of practicality, he didn't have to worry too much about Adesanya's takedowns. He'd be cognizant that we're tied up, he's going to try a few leg reaps, you know, stuff like that, but there's not a a lot of deep layers of uh, offensive sophistication there. You get someone that's even a little bit higher order than uh, Adesanya was here, and they're going to have a lot of success against him. Heck, Bruno Silva had a fair amount of success taking him down. Um, So, but it's a thing with Adesanya in particular. His striking is so good, it's not really been a problem. But eventually you come up against a situation where your A game isn't necessarily going to get it done 
independent of something else helping it. If you want, and if you want an example of, because I brought up Khabib when talking about this, when Khabib fought Glayson Tebow, his A game did not get it done. He still got the decision, and even if I didn't necessarily agree, I, doing that live, I did not agree with that for the record. Rewatching it, I'm a bit more sympathetic to the argument for uh, Khabib, but his A game struggled badly in that fight. Tebow just would not let him take him down at all. And in the wake of that, he added a lot of things. He added some stuff to his game. He added a few more different entries for closing distance. He refined his striking and he refined punching, like when they kind of break the clinch. Uh, he was able to find a few other ways, like, okay, if. If my goal is to tie up and start getting you down, I need some component of what I'm doing to help this work in these positions where that can be difficult. Because then if you don't address the part of my game that is a distraction, it can still be successful. And I think Adesanya really does need something else at this point to kind of help him in that path. He tried with the wrestling here at places against Pereira. I thought that was smart, to be candid. You know, get the guy a little bit off balance. Um, Pereira was reacting to some of those faked takedowns or leg reaches. But once he kind of realized the threat, like, a fake or a feint is only as good as... It was only as useful as is your ability to follow through on it. You know, if I'm not worried about you actually throwing a kick, I don't care how many times you faint it. I'm not. I'm never going to bite in, in any kind of real way. So Adesanya, once once Pereira realized that there wasn't a real threat there, that particular fake again, it stopped having a lot of value. So I don't know what a potential rematch would look like. It might look very much like this fight. Uh, we'll have to wait and see, but. Again, man. If I'm Robert Whitaker, I'm trying everything I can to get that Pereira fight because that's very winnable for him. It is very winnable. All right, moving on. Co-main event to the shock of no one. Zhang Weili defeats Carlos Sparza via rear naked choke. This wasn't from the. This wasn't really from like the back with both hooks, and it was technically from a crucifix. Not a mounted crucifix, a genuine wrestling crucifix. Um. Yeah, this again, this was what was expected. Esparza fighting from too far outside most of the time. Struggled to get takedowns. They had some nice scrambles in this fight, though. Just for, they had some decent scrambles. Esparza does get one a bit in the first round. Zhang's able to kind of work up off of her back, gets her own takedown. Um, Zhang just much more dynamic, physically strong. Not concerned with anything as far as it was doing. This was, this was exactly what you expected it to be. Uh, not a whole lot else to say about it. I don't quite know what's next here. Um, Amanda Lemos just had that win over Marina Rodriguez. I mean, logically, it's Carla Esparza. Logically, it's Rose Namimis. They've got the documentary coming out about her. She's already beaten Zhang twice. Um, they might, the UFC might try to hotshot Yan Xiaonan. You know, they might try to do Zhang and Xiaonan as 
uh, excuse me, Zhang and Yan, as the first, you know, hey, it's all China. It's an all Chinese main event. They might try to do that. But my hunch would be another Rose Namiunas title fight because this is what we're doing, I guess. Uh, Esparza has yet, you know, two title reigns, longest time between title reigns. She was the first strawweight champion beating Rose. Long time later, like the longest gap between, again, the longest gap between title wins or whatnot, by a mile, is Carlos Barza. Wins it in a terrible fight. Um, still has yet to actually defend the belt. Her first title defense after beating Rose was against Ioana, and Ioana beat the crap out of her. So... I have to see what Rose and Zhang are going to do, but that would be my assumption about what's next for them. Uh, yeah, I don't have a whole lot to go on there. Zhang is very good. Uh, your your fight of the night, to the shock of absolutely no one, <coughs> Dustin Poirier defeats Michael Chandler via rear naked choke um, two minutes of the third round. This was bonkers. Um, pretty good, for, you know, good first round. We got some nice exchanges. Michael Chandler is Michael Chandler. Dustin Poirier is Dustin Poirier. Um, <coughs> sorry. There's there's a little bit of a clash of heads at one point. Uh, Chandler kind of backs Poirier up and bombs on him for a bit. Uh, both men get a little bit wobbled, and then Chandler. Hurts Poirier, backs him up, and he's swinging for the fences. Can't quite put him away. Hits a double leg. Lands some um, ground and pound. Poirier fights his way back up. Chandler hits a German suplex, but can't control the position. And then Poirier, like a boss, stands up and cracks Chandler uh, with a right hook. Not a left hey badly hurts him, backs him into the fence, is teeing off, uh, probably cost Chandler the round. Uh, I still gave it to Chandler, but like, if you gave that to Poirier, I don't argue with you one iota. Again, has him badly hurt, his nose is smashed up. Second round, Poirier comes out, looks to do more of the same. Chandler gets a takedown uh, fairly quickly. And spends the rest of the round on top. Uh, he has some really nice ground and pound actually against the fence. He gets Poirier's left arm trapped behind his back at one point and just is hammering him with right hands. Some several illegal hammer fists to the back of the head along the way. Uh, gets the back at one point, threatens the choke. A little bit of fish hooking there from Chandler. He was fighting a little dirty. Uh, really good round from him in that. Uh, the second round, borderline 10-8. Like, there was that much control and that much kind of damage that Chandler put down. Third round. A little bit of more exchanging on the feet. Uh, Chandler goes for a uh, high crotch single leg. Lifts and kind of slams Poirier down, but doesn't have a lot of control. Poirier scrambles up. Chandler tries to scramble for the back because it's the only way he can maintain control of the position. Poirier... Doesn't let him get a hook in. Spins him uh, kind of down to potentially get on top. Chandler looks to base up. Poirier spins to the back. Body triangle. Gets the rear naked choke not long after. 
Uh, again, great fight. Absolutely great fight. Um, Dustin Poirier is maybe the greatest action fighter uh, the UFC's had. He's certainly been the most successful. I mean, what else is there to say about this guy? Uh, and you know, somewhat ditto Chandler. Like, Michael Chandler can't seem to have a... I know he's got one or two fights from his Bellator days that weren't great. I, I acknowledge those fights exist, for the record. So when I say he can't seem to have a boring fight nowadays, I'm acknowledging there's periods in his history when that hasn't been the case. But right now, man, his last, like, several fights, that dude just comes to... He comes to go to war. I mean, how can you not love to watch that man fight? And, again, absolutely the same is true for Poirier. Poirier was wearing the um, the Marvin Hagler red ball cap with war on the front of it. He's one of the few guys, I think, gets to wear that hat. Um, yeah, for those of you who may not remember, Marvin Hagler was wearing that hat at the post or pre-fight press conference for his fight with Tommy Hearns. Which, if you haven't seen that fight, it's on YouTube. What are you doing listening to me? Uh, look up Marvin Hagler versus Tommy Hearns and thank me later if you haven't already seen it. If you have seen it, you know what? Go watch it again. <laughs> and thank me for reminding you to do so. Uh, Dustin Poirier is one of the fighters in MMA who, could pot who potentially can wear that kind of hat. Uh, there's not a lot of them that I think could, have, could do so, but he's one of them. So, solid win for Chandler. I don't know that he'll get... He's not getting the next title shot. We'll talk a little bit about the lightweight title picture in a second or two. But he could be real close. Like, he might just kind of be waiting to see what happens with the title, depending on its next fight. Um, which has some stuff up in the air. So, But, uh, again, great fight. If you look up only one fight from this card, I would recommend this one. Uh, great fight. Uh, I don't know what Chandler does next immediately, but again, that's a guy who hey, you're always going to watch a Michael Chandler fight. Uh, no, it, you, you can't go wrong with it. So I don't know. Again, I don't know who, but uh, who could you do? I mean, there's no like again. There's no such thing as a bad matchup for him in the UFC's lightweight division. Dude, him and like Benil Daryush and Mateusz Gamrot, that, those aren't the sexiest names. But you tell me that wouldn't be. You tell me Michael Chandler and Benil Daryush wouldn't be all kinds of awesome. Uh, you, you can't tell me that wouldn't be awesome. All right, our other. Another sad thing. Chris Gutierrez defeats Frankie Edgar via knockout knee strike, 201 of the first. This was Edgar's last fight. He'd announced that beforehand. Like, this is going to be it. I'm going to retire, focus on my kids and my family, and God bless him. Uh, and rather than have him fight another kind of older, elder statesman-style fighter, we throw this legend, this beloved legend, to the wolves of a young, hungry, up-and-coming guy with a lot of ability. I still don't know why this wasn't Frankie Edgar versus Dominic Cruz. And, and look, man, I might I would favor Cruz to win that fight, just to be abundantly clear. I would favor Dominic Cruz. But 
What was served here, man? Like, I understand that this is a sport where the young eat the old. I do. And you know what? In some ways, I don't even hate that. Just, I don't hate it. I hate it when there's no point. Like, Edgar and Sandhagen, I thought, had a point to it. This didn't have a point. Uh, when you get to this stage with someone like Frankie Edgar, I don't know. Again, I don't know what we're doing. Uh, I would rather there was some kind of consideration made about the matchmaking here instead of just, sure, go find a young killer that no one's heard of who's going to take your head off. Uh, so I'm not the biggest fan of that. But, I mean, Gutierrez is good. Again, he's a bit unheralded, but he's got some talent. Hard kicker. Uh, does a lot of stance switching. I mean, he has, a, he has like one loss in the UFC, doesn't he? He fought uh, Moicano at featherweight. Pony Marcellus, excuse me. Think of somebody else. Yeah, he lost his UFC debut when he fought Hani Barcelos, who's very good. Undefeated since then with one draw thrown in the middle there. Uh, he's really good. So, sucks to see... It always sucks to see uh, a guy like Frankie Edgar go out like that, but... Uh, I wish him nothing but the best in what he does next. I said this last week when previewing this, man. Edgar's been in the UFC forever. Like, his UFC debut was at UFC 67 in 2007. Um, that guy was one of the best lightweights in the world for a while, despite being horribly undersized. Had a bit of a second career down at featherweight where he fought for the belt twice. He's got some very impressive wins along the way, you know, beating BJ Penn the way he did, Gray Maynard. Uh, his win over Charles Oliveira has held up pretty darn well. Uh, he beat the crap out of Yair Rodriguez, if you'll remember that fight. Like, he really brutalized Yair. Did he have three featherweight title fights? Yeah. He had three shots at the featherweight belt. He debuted at featherweight fighting Jose Aldo for the belt. Lost. It's a good fight. Fought Aldo for the interim one at UFC 200 and lost. Then he got a shot against Max. And Max kind of beat him up because Max Holloway. Um, you know, there was a period of time. Uh, this might sound really weird, but... Frankie Edgar was not finished, and his professional debut was 2005. And then he wasn't finished until he fought Brian Ortega in 2018 through, what was that? Like, he had losses, but he was not finished for until his, what, almost his 30th professional fight? What that exactly? Coming into that fight, he was 22-5-1, so... Yeah, until his 29th professional fight. So, through 28 fights against some absolutely murderous competition, nobody could put him away. 
then Ortega knocks him out. And that doesn't completely herald the end. He beats Cub Swanson the fight after that. He fights Max Holloway. But after that, like, Chan Sung Jung runs him over. He beats Pedro Munoz via split decision. I thought he lost. Sandhagen knocks him out in the first round. Marlon Vera front kicks him in the face and knocks him out in the third round. And here Gutierrez in the first round knocks him out. I mean, you go 28 fights without getting finished, and then the last stretch of your career, you're finished four times in five fights. You know, it's more than time for him to retire. And <clears throat> that guy's place in the Hall of Fame is ironclad. And that's one of the best. Uh, again, wish him luck in what he does next. And a solid win for Gutierrez. And, and kicking off the main card, Dan Hooker stops Claudio Puyas via body kick, a front kick. 406 of the second. Um, interesting first round. Uh, Hooker's doing good, kind of sniping from outside range. Puyas throws an Iminari roll at him. They get tied up on the ground in some leg battles. And I think I actually gave Puyas the first round in real time because he has some really good attacks from there. And Hooker didn't get a whole lot of offense going. Uh, second round, wildly different story. Um, Hooker just, again, sniping with his punches at distance, stabbing him with front kicks to the body. Pugliese is just kind of flopping at the legs, uh, can't get anything going. Eventually gets, again, takes a body kick, drops, and the referee had seen enough at that point. Uh, good win for Hooker to get back on track. He said he wants to fight on the upcoming Perth card. That's UFC 284. Hope they can find a place for him. Um, he needed this win pretty badly. And that was your main card. All finishes. Hey. Uh, as for the prelims, Hanato Moicano defeated Brad Riddell via rear naked choke 320 of the first. Riddell looked really off here. Not quite sure what it was, but he looked off, which is not to take anything away from Moicano, who looked like a beast. Uh, he came out. He was pushing things. Uh, you know, got the takedown, got the back pretty quickly. Um, I was worried when I, like, coming into this one, I mentioned, like, that Rafael Dos Anjos fight, man, Dos Anjos put a beating on him. Uh, and getting, rebounding from that in short order is difficult. He seems to have done it, so. Cut a profanity-laden post-fight interview. Um, wanted a bonus. I don't think he got one. He did not. Uh, so, yeah. Good, good one for Marcano. A, a light heavyweight. Brian Spann missed weight. He weighed 206.6. He said after the fact, um, you know, if there wasn't the rule in New York, I would have made it. There is a bit of a rule in New York where apparently if you're not fighting for a belt, they don't give you extra time to weigh in or to make a second weigh-in attempt. But... He looked real good. He just obliterated Dominic Reyes with a left jab slash hook, 120 of the first. Sleeping. Just sleeping. Incredibly well-timed, incredibly well-placed. Um, Span said after the like his post-fight interview was, you know, this is the first time I ever trained for a fight. And, you know, Joe Rogan kind of looks at him like, you mean it's the first time you ever trained? You, you, you mean you've never trained for a fight? Well, I never did anything more than three weeks. Let me tell you something. 
if true, and I, I don't know that whether or not what he's saying is true, but if it's true, to achieve what he achieved, never actually going through a, you know, a six-week camp, which is kind of the standard, right? Like, somewhat, three weeks is very limited. You know, four to six weeks is kind of, that's kind of where you want to be for that kind of stuff. If he achieved as much as he did with really half-assing his training like that, uh, dang. You know, if, if he's if he's really going to get serious about his training, that guy might, he might have a much higher ceiling than we thought. Uh, brutal knockout. Good win. You know, hopefully he doesn't miss weight again. So... Something to keep an eye on. I believe it's his first time, and, you know, everybody gets one. I don't know what we're going to do with Dominic Reyes. That's four losses in a row. The last three have been pretty brutal knockouts. Uh, when Jan Blahovic stopped him, you know, that, that wasn't great. Then Yuri Prohachka with that elbow from hell. Uh, and then this. Like, it's actually getting worse for him. I, I don't know. I don't know. And that's the guy who maybe came the closest to light heavyweight to actually beating John Jones. A lot of people thought he should have won that fight. And I'm... I Doing it live, I scored it for John. But I freely accept that there's a very, very real argument for Reyes having won that fight. But since then, man... Uh... It's been going downhill, and it's been going downhill fast. So, I don't know what we're doing next. Um, he's only 32, right? Double check that. Yeah, he's only 32, but... You, you're taking this kind of damage. Man, it's not good. It's not good. He switched camps ahead of this. I think he's now training out of, or for this camp, he trained out of um, Glover Teixeira's group when uh, they're in Connecticut somewhere. Danbury, I think. Um, you can maybe give it one more to try and see if that can really help. Because, you know, one, getting in, going for one fight with a new, like, it takes time for new stuff to get implemented. But... One more is kind of all the further rope that I think you can give him. Like, you got to do something here, man, to turn this around. Or you need to do something else. Uh, women's flyweight. Aaron Blanchfield ran over Molly McCann. Good grief. Uh, Kimura submission, 337 of the first. A uh, little bit of striking, very little, and then... Blanchfield hits a double leg, and it's over. She passes pretty quickly, gets to side control, gets a full-mounted crucifix, and just starts dropping punches and elbows pretty consistently. And McCann has nothing down there. She's just trying to buck and bridge and explode, and that's not... When you're doing that to try and get out of that position, like that's desperate. That is desperation. And she just had nothing. 
she gets her arm back at one point, mostly because Blanchfield transitions to attacking a Kimura. Uh, McCann blocks it from stepping over the head to really kind of finish it, so Blanchfield goes back to Mounted Crucifix. Hits her a few more times, does step over the head, gets the Kimura, gets the tap. Uh, Aaron Blanchfield is really good. I mean, Flyweight's been looking for a long time to try and find someone who could really make a run of things. I think that's your... I think that's the person you look at now. Like, I'm not saying feed her to Valentina right away. That would probably be a bit much. But you want to look at the future of women's flyweight. Uh, look at Aaron Blanchfield. Uh, that's where that's where your future's going to lie. You know, there were there were some people who kind of questioned this. I saw this on Twitter. Like, boy, Molly McCann had all that momentum, and you just kind of fed her to this, you know, young up and comer. And I kind of went, yeah. What else are you going to do with it? I mean, look, Molly McCann, again, she built some popularity based on a couple of nice knockouts in the last couple of fights and being kind of attached to a popular star in Patty Pimblett. Look, McCann's not going to make a run at the belt. She's too old. I mean, too old might be a bit, of, might be a bit unkind. She's 32. Uh, be 33 in a couple of months, uh, in a few months. But again, like she's in her mid she's in her 30s. She's a very limited fighter, and she's not going to beat anyone really ranked above her. Like you could look, would she beat Jessica Andrade or Caitlin Chukagian or you know, anyone like? Come on. So you're either going to throw her against a upper-level gatekeeper who would probably turn her back, or you take someone who's developed in popularity and put her in there against someone who is on the upswing and has a very bright future. And this is kind of what you do. Like If you've got a popular act that's not really going to get to the title... You put them in there against someone that you think will get to the title. And you try to transfer a little bit of that popularity. Uh, the other, I mean, the joke going around Twitter was, you know, the UFC just got... Why did they book this? The UFC got tired of paying for Molly McCann's hotel rooms. <laughs> um, you know, the joke about how cheap the UFC is. But yeah, Blanchfield, very good. Uh, pay attention to her. She's very good. Uh, middleweight Andre Petrovsky defeated Wellington Terman via unanimous decision, 230-27s, 129-28. I don't have a whole lot here. Um, relatively even fight going into the third and the uh, third round, and then Petrovsky got a takedown and just kind of wrote it out. Um, again, I don't have a lot here. On the early prelims, Matt Frivola defeated Atman Azaitar via knockout, just a couple of punches in close, 230 of the first. Uh, good finish from Frivola. Frivola called out Patty Pimblett after the fact. Sure, why not? At women's strawweight, Carolina Kovalkiewicz defeated Silviana uh, Gomez-Juarez via unanimous decision, 29-28s across the board. Yeah, that's about right. Um, Kovalkiewicz had a pretty good first round. Uh, Gomez-Juarez rebounded nicely in the second, and then uh, Kovalkiewicz was able to kind of grind out the third. 
uh, mostly with wrestling. So, uh, yeah, again, not a terrible fight. A bit of a setback for Gomez Juarez, who might have been building a little bit of something, but you know, Kovalkiewicz rebounding me from her terrible losing streak is a nice little feel-good moment. Um, fun little fight here. Michael Trezano defeated uh, Sungwoo Choi via knockout, 451 of the first punches. These two came out and in the first couple of seconds, traded left hooks, and both men got dropped, and that's really the story of this fight. A lot of just slugging it out back and forth. Choi's got a good left hook, but he got way too reliant on it. Trezano started to get a read, slipped one, countered with his own left hook, finished things off. Uh, fun little bro. Bantamweight, uh, Montel Jackson defeated Julio Arce via unanimous decision, 237, 229-28. Um, it's not a lot of stuff from Arce. Jackson did a little bit more, a little bit better wrestler, a little bit more active on the feet. Not a terrible fight. And kicking everything off, Carlos Ulberg defeated Nikolai Negumerianu via knockout punches, 344 to the first. Uh... Just a lot of nice jabbing and circling from Ulberg. Then once he got a better read on things, started uh, really, again, a jab. Negumariano looks to counter, and Ulberg hooks off the jab. Jab, then hook with the same hand. Catches him coming in, and pretty much sleeps him. Uh, nice, nice finish from Ulberg there. So that was the event. It was a long one, but you know what? We got some good quality fights out of this card. So my full report is in the MMA Zone of 411mania.com. Give it a look and a read if you are so inclined. I always appreciate it. And as always, my thanks to anyone who read live or after the fact. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Appreciate all you guys. All right, moving on because the UFC likes to move on. This coming Saturday, earlier start time, UFC on ESPN plus 73. Um, oh, sorry. Last thing on 281. Fight of the night I mentioned, uh, Poirier versus Chandler. Performances went to Pereira and Zhang. You were spoiled for choice on this one, as far as great performances, so I'm not going to gonna hate on any of that. All right. This coming Saturday. Uh, you've seen SPN Plus 73. They are back at the Apex. Way. And how many fights are on this card? Good grief. Hang on. One, two, three, four, five, six... 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, potentially 15. Why? Stop this. This is insanity. Knock it off. This card is not good. All right. Main event. Treat it with seriousness. Derek Lewis versus Sergey Spivak. I can't be that serious. That's <laughs> what the fight is. Um... Spivox started a bit of a run. You know, he's got a couple of losses in the UFC, but he's got an overall winning record, and he's, you know... This is the kind of fight Derek Lewis tends to win. Um, he's not in a good spot at the moment, though. He's 1-3 um, in his last four. He's been stopped by Cyril Gaon, Tai Tuivasa, and Sergei Pavlovich. I'm going to pick him here, but if he drops this one, that might be the, that might be it for him. I mean, three in a row is not great. He's 37. He's the same age I am. You know, 37. He's very, very close to me. 
Um, you know, it, he's got a lot of fights too, man. He's got almost 40 fights. I mean, even at heavyweight, you know, that's, that's just a lot. So I think I'm going to pick Lewis, but if he loses this one, man. And it's pretty downhill from here. Um, light heavyweights in your coming event, Iwan Kutalaba and Kennedy and Zechiku. The UFC likes in Zechiku. Um, he's coming off of a win over Carl Robertson. Um... Kutalaba's, you know, Kuta. They're setting him up. They're setting up Nzetsu because they like him. Sure. I mean, it's against Iwan Kutalaba. Who the, Kutalaba might decide he's going to win this fight because he's weird. But my hunch is Nzetsu. Uh, middleweights, Adolfo Vieira and Cody Brundage. Don't see a lot of reason to pick against Vieira here. I mean, he's had some tough fights. Um, he's coming off the loss to Chris Curtis, but Cody Brundage is not Chris Curtis. Heavyweights, because more heavyweights. Um, Chase Sherman and Waldo Cortez Acosta. I have no idea. I mean, I kind of just don't pick Sherman on principle. But he is coming off of a win... Uh, and he is just like, he's two and four in his current UFC round, which is like third trip through the UFC. And that or he got cut and then re-signed without any time falling in between. I can't remember exactly how that worked. Um, anywho. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Sherman here, but I have no confidence in that and would not bet on it. Welterweight, this is actually a good fight. Um, Andre Fialho and Muslim Salikov. Um, Fialho had a pretty good run going for a bit. Then he ran into the best version of Jake Matthews that seems to possibly exist. Um, but he gave Michelle Pereira a pretty good fight. He beat Miguel Baeza. He knocked out Cameron Van Camp. Um, Fiala's pretty good, and Salikov is also quite good. Um, he's coming off that loss to Li Jing Liang, but that ended like a five-fight winning streak for him, I believe. Yeah, he's five and two in the UFC. Um, so this is pretty good. I think I am going to lean towards Fialho here, but that's a good fight. Also at welterweight, your boy, Jack Della Maddalena against Danny Roberts. Um... I've kind of memed on Danny Roberts a fair bit. Uh, somewhat unfairly. But uh, I'm, I'm a pretty big believer in Jack Della Maddalena's upside. He's, he's got a lot of it. And he's still fighting for 10 and 10 coming off the Contender Series. But I, I imagine he'll beat Danny Roberts here. But that, again, that one could be pretty good. And Della Maddalena is worth watching anyway. So that's your main card as it currently stands. Freelands, we have Charles Johnson and Jalgas Zhumagulov. Um, Zhumagulov needs a win here badly. I, I kind of thought he beat Jeff Molina, I seem to recall. 
But he's only got one win in the UFC, and that's that's not good. Um, this might be win or go home for him. Uh, I'll go ahead and lean towards him to get it done, but he better. Uh, women's flyweight, Jennifer Maya and Marina Morose. Probably Maya. She's coming off of... Uh, she's not in the best spot right now. She's on a two-fight losing streak. I mean, Caitlin Chukagian and Mignon Fior, so two, you know, top of... Two highly ranked flyweights. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'll pick Maya over Morose. I mean, Morose isn't bad, but... Uh, she's got some weird losses. And she hasn't fought anyone this good. I mean, her most recent win was a finish of Maria Agapova. I am mad. You know, I, I have no problem picking uh, Maya here. Bantamweight Vince Morales and Miles Johns. Not a terrible fight. Johns been a bit up and down in the UFC, coming off a loss to John Castaneda. Uh, whereas Morales... Now you got another kind of up and down guy. I had a pretty decent fight with Jonathan Martinez his last time out, but Martinez is, you know, very good. That's a tough one. I think I'm going to lean towards Morales, but that's a pretty decent little fight. Also at Bantamweight, Kevin Natividad and Ricky Tercios. Pro Tercios is a weird guy. I don't think I can pick him. He's just too weird. So I'm going to pick Natividad, but. Now, that's a volatile fight if we're talking about predictions. Strawweight, Vanessa Demopoulos and Maria Oliveira. It's a fairly decent enough pick for Demopoulos, I think. Uh, yeah, I'll pick Demopoulos there. Bantamweight, Brady Heistad and Fernie Garcia. Um, probably lean towards Heistad, but just a bit. Uh, women's flyweight again, Natalia Silva and Teresa Bleda. I don't know either of these ladies. Natalia or Natalia? It's Natalia. Silva. Go with Silva, I guess. Uh, we have two announced fights. Um, one, we we're supposed to get Kyler Phillips and Jack Shore. That fell apart after Shore had uh, a serious knee injury. So we're not sure if they're going to find someone else for Phillips or not. Uh, the light heavyweight fight is between William Knight and Marcin Pracnio. Yeesh. Um, I don't know. Knight, I guess. Uh, but I don't know. Might actually be Pracnio. I don't know. Pracnio got knocked up by Sam Alvey. Lost to Felipe Lenz. I really don't know on that one. Sure, I'll pick Knight, but eh, who knows. So there's a couple of decent fights to maybe look forward to on that one, but boy, that is a rough card. And I think that's the last one for November. Yeah, because the one after that is December 3rd. So... Be on the lookout for that. Yeah, so the week out there's none the week of Thanksgiving, so which is probably a kindness for all parties. But Saturday, I will be covering that again. An earlier start time for that. That event begins.
Start time. Not you. you. Uh, the prelims start. See, that's the main card that starts at two. The prelims are going to be earlier than that. Uh, yeah, prelims start at... Okay, that's too my time. Prelims start at 11 my time. That'll be fun. Um, so that's... Hang on, math. That's 1 p.m. Eastern. Central and yeah. So again, earlier start time. Either way, I will be covering it in the MMA Zone of 411mania.com. So please do, as always, stop by, say hello. I appreciate it. All right. The only bit of news I have written down here at the moment is um, UFC 2 was 84 has really shaped up. Um, they UFC confirmed over the week two fights for that card. Uh, a lightweight title fight, Islam Makashev, the freshly crowned champion, going for his first title defense against your reigning featherweight champion and currently number one pound-for-pound -pound fighter in the world, Alexander Volkanovsky. Great fight. It's a really good fight. So, very much looking forward to that. We also have a, I assume, the co-main event, an interim featherweight title fight between Yair Rodriguez and Josh Emmett. Makes sense for both guys. I don't hate the interim title here for a very specific reason. If Alexander Volkanovsky wins the lightweight title, and I don't know how you lean in that fight, but you should not be surprised if he does. Even if you favor Makashev, and I might favor Makashev. I don't know. I gotta really think about that one. Um, but... If Volkanovski wins and decides to stay at lightweight, this means featherweight can just continue going. We don't have to... Um, th there's no complications to that. Right, the interim champion here will be promoted to full champion. No must, no fuss. Featherweight keeps on rolling, so I, I can understand it and I don't hate it. Um, if Volkanovski loses he goes and goes back to featherweight, then he has a, a number one contender ready-made. And Emmett versus Rodriguez is a perfectly fine fight on its own merits, too. So, uh, yeah, so that, in addition to that, we also have for that card at the moment Whitaker and Costa. Um, okay, that's the only stuff I'd actually be looking forward to. You've also got Justin Taffa and Parker Porter, Tyson Pedro and Zhang Ming Young, Josh Kulabau and Melsic Bogdasarian. Yeah. But those top two fights, like, if you got, again, you got Makasha Volkanovsky, Rodriguez and Emmett, and then, like, Whitaker and Costa as your featured fight, that's a darn good top of a pay-per-view card. I'd say darn good, again, it's darn good for that, so. UFC 284 from Perth, Australia, set currently for February of 23. Keep you up to date on that as far as things continue to develop. Um... Alright, let me... Again, that's the only real kind of news thing I was able to find that wasn't already covered either with uh, the passing of Anthony Johnson or stuff re immediately related to and around UFC 281. So let's check Twitter. 
see if anything crazy has happened, and if not, we will do plugs and get out of here. Alright, nothing new MMA related at least, so let's do plugs and get out of here. Alright, last week I was part of a... Uh, <clears throat> was last week election coverage? Yeah, probably. Did some election coverage with Mark Radulich. Uh Also a TV party tonight review of Netflix's uh, show Guillermo del Toro's Cabinet of Curiosities. Myself, Alexis Haina, and Jason Teasley got together and talked about that. Good time was had by all. This week, a review of on Damn You Hollywood of Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. So, yeah. I'm, I'm going to have to be the... Oh, I don't like doing this, but I'm not going to compromise my integrity for the sake of making other people comfortable. I'm going to have to be the rain on the parade again. I haven't had to, I haven't had to do that since the Batman. When was the last time I really felt like I was raining on everyone's parade? You know, I'm probably going to be doing that again. But Mark and Alexis will be there as well, and I'm sure they will have much more positive things to say than I will. So. Be on the lookout for that on Tuesday. Uh, I think that's my only podcast this week. Let's check that real fast. Uh, yes. Yeah, that's my only podcast is Black Panther, so be on the lookout for that. All right. As for my other stuff, I cover professional wrestling a few nights a week. AEW's Dark Elevation on Monday. MLW is back to releasing content, so them on Thursday. And WWE SmackDown on Friday, in addition to the UFC event on Saturday. You can find those in the wrestling or MMA zones of 411mania.com. We will be back here next week. To review UFC on ESPN Plus 73, no preview. We get a week off for the week of Thanksgiving, so hooray! All right, I will see you all back here next week. Until then, thank you as always. Stay safe out there and continue to be well, be safe, and behave.